Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311 Cast, your premier Midwestern based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter as we talk to you about college football, college basketball, the NFL, and of course, our signature segments, Mike's Stupid Rules, and Write That Down Predictions here in episode 106. So I don't know how many of you are familiar with the term scoregami. It's like origami, but with scores. It's the uh, it's final scores in an NFL game that have never before been recorded, right? Like since we started playing American football back in 1920. You know, these are scores that have never yet been recorded until now. This week we actually had a scoregami, uh, the, the Bucks at Panthers game. 46 to 23 was a score that has never been scored before up until this so that's interesting. This is the seventh score gamma we've had so far this year in the 2020 season, with the other six being 36 to 9, 35 to 29, 39 to 29, 42 to 16, and 43 to 34, which is also a palindrome. How cool is that? Nice. So this has, is that like a, rec- a recent record for scoregamis in a year? Do you have that information? Because I feel like the more we play, the more we play football, the harder it is to get a unique score, just, you know, by common sense. So I feel like getting this many in one year has to be like some sort of modern record. Maybe I'm wrong though, and they're just more common than I think. So 2017 had eight scoregamis, just mm-hmm. for uh, for reference. 2018 had uh, eight as well. 2019 looks like we only had six. Um, Slightly above pace, but not obscenely above pace for an average year. But looking back in 2001, there was also six. So it seems like it's not, like you're right, this should be logarithmic, right? You're going to have fewer and fewer scores, or well, the, the other direction, I guess. Right, in um, Yeah, that. Yeah. But it seems to be relatively, you know, the past 20 years or so, we've, I would say, averaged around six, seven, or eight, maybe. I don't actually know what the number is, but just kind of glancing at these charts here. Yeah, I wonder if they're increasing because, or not decreasing because offense is increasing in the NFL, which leads to more higher scores, which hadn't happened in previous history which are leading to more cases with scores that haven't happened. The one score Gami I really want to see is a six to one. Is possible in the NFL? Is possible in the NFL, but hasn't happened yet. Yes, that would be possible. The one point, the one touchdown with the one point safety afterwards. Yeah, that'd be fun. That would be fun. But you know what wasn't very fun? Having to wait through another Cyclones bye week in order to get uh, get to their next game. Cyclones were on bye this week. Um, barring any COVID issues, it will be their last bye week of the season. Well, probably last bye week of the regular season. Um, so you got three straight weeks of Cyclone football coming on now as um, we go down the stretch. Um, it's probably the most difficult three game stretch of the year that they have coming up now um, with games against K-State at Texas and West Virginia at home as their last three games. Um, yeah, it's going to be a tough stretch, especially West Virginia. West Virginia looked really good dismantling TCU on Saturday. I, yeah, that West Virginia game, last game of the year, could be tricky. I'm a little nervous for that game. I don't know about you, Kyle, but I'm nervous for that West Virginia game. Well, yeah, we can talk about it more because they have arguably the the third best running back in the big 12 um, in Letty Brown, plus a, an emerging young quarterback as well. Um, but we can talk about it when that game comes up because first and foremost, we just, we have to beat K state and that's what it boils down to. 
Uh, K-State is recently coming off a ton of players who have been uh, out with COVID or on the COVID list. Um, so there's, there's, only, there's a couple ways that you beat K-State. One, don't turn the ball over. And that is going to be cre- or crucial and an absolute must in this game. K-State forces turnovers and they win solely because you beat yourself the majority of the time, not because they go out and, and put up 500 yards of offense in a game. They don't, they just don't do that. They, they beat you by turnovers and sound special teams. So don't turn the ball over second. You need to stop the run. They are without their starting quarterback, Skylar Thompson. They're down to their uh, second string quarterback, make him throw the football, right? You make him throw the football. Good things can happen, especially in this tough, uh, Iowa State defense that has been adapted by so many teams because of its versatile versatility on the field. And I think you need to control the time of possession in this. Keep keep the defense fresh and just feed Brees Hall. Let him go to work. It doesn't matter if he doesn't pop big runs in the first half. Let him continue to ground and pound all the way through the second half, wear down that defensive front, keep Brock Purdy clean, so to speak. Uh, And yeah, I think those are going to be the keys to winning this football game. Yeah, that it'll be something to watch. K-State has been struggling as of late. Um, I think that's reflected in the betting line for this game. Iowa State has opened as 11 point favorites um, in the betting line for this game, which seems a little bit high to me. Um, ESPN. I thought did they did they open at nine and it went to eleven? I don't know. Well, it's at eleven now at least. I, I think it opened at nine and now it's just gotten they're gone in Iowa State's advantage even further. That seems a little bit high to me, but I mean, I K State K State isn't a team that you just beat the rails off of. Right. You don't K State doesn't get blown out very often, so. I don't think this game is going to be a blowout. It's a game they should win, but I don't think it's a blowout by any means. Um, ESPN uh, FPI gives the Cyclones a 65% chance to win that football game. Um, like I said, it's a game you you should win, but I don't think it's a gimme. That game is going to be at 3 p.m. Um, on Fox, so look for that for your kickoff. Um, like I said, this is probably the easiest game remaining on the schedule. I think that West Virginia game is tougher. Um, yes. So. Oh, yeah. I, I would say so. I especially since West Virginia pretty handily beat K State already. Yeah, I think this is the toughest remaining or the easiest remaining game on the schedule. ESPN Football Power Index agrees. So this is one you got to have if you want to go to the Big Twelve champion. If you win this one and then you split the next two, you have a decent, you still have a decent shot at going to the Big 12 title game, but you got to have this one so you can split the next. Got to have this one on Saturday. And Kyle, you mentioned Brees Hall earlier. Um, Do you see Reggie Bush gave him a shout out here this week? Reggie Bush should get some Heisman consideration this year. Well, so I don't know if a lot of Cyclone fans actually saw this. There was an interview uh, that Reggie Bush did um, as a part of a Fox broadcast. He actually interviewed Brees Hall, I believe, after week three or four of the season um, and just talked to him about like what successes he's seen. Uh, and it actually was a pr- almost turned into like an encouragement type 
uh, interview where he was just really trying to encourage him and yeah, just keeping his head down. And so far, Brees has done that. Um, but yeah, it was really exciting to see Reggie Bush finally give a running back some love, especially Brees Hall, because he has been statistically and just from the eye test, the best running back so far in college football this season. Yeah, I agree. He definitely has been the best. So I don't think, as I said, I don't think he gets any Heisman consideration this year because Iowa State isn't good enough. But think about this. Next year, Brock Purdy's back. Brees Hall's back. This entire offensive line is back. Charlie Kohler can choose to come back, right? He's only a junior. This offense next year, next year could be the year for Brees Hall. That offense is going to be pretty damn good next year. Yeah. You heard it here first, folks. So, but we can't start looking ahead to the future. We got to keep our eyes focused on the present. Beat Purple Kansas and put yourself in good positioning for a continued run towards that ever-elusive Big 12 championship game for the Cyclone. Yep. And speaking of focusing on the present, it is the time of year again where college football coaches start to end up fired on the hot seat. So we are now continuing the annual tradition of everybody speculating and or panicking about where Matt Campbell is going to leave to go be the head coach in the offseason. Just in the last 48 hours, I've heard his name rumored for the South Carolina job that just opened up this week for the Michigan job that everyone presumes is going to open up because Jim Harbaugh is going to get fired and for the Ohio state job that might open up if Ryan day ends up in the NFL. I've heard his name linked to all three of those jobs in the last 48 hours. Um, I'm here to say cyclone fans relax. We've heard this every year, right? Every year, these last few years, everyone has said he's going to go somewhere else. Every year he stayed here. There was no, there's nothing to these rumors yet. They are just rumors. They are just people speculating about who they want to go where. Just relax. Enjoy the ride. Your team's number 17 in the nation. Enjoy it. Relax. After the season, we can start to see if there's actually any credibility to these. But for now, just relax, even though it's that time of year. Just relax. Especially, especially pump the brakes on Michigan. Everyone keeps saying that Michigan is a destination job still. Yes, there is tradition there, but more recently, it seems like it has become, I, I, I would say, maybe a toxic landing spot for head coaches with the amount of pressure that is put on that head coach to produce and to win. John Harbaugh is starting to crack under that pressure um, in Ann Arbor. So, yeah, we'll see what happens, but relax. Matt Campbell's got a good thing going on at Iowa State. Hopefully, we can keep it there and we can keep him there. We'd yeah. love to see it. Yeah, I mean, I've said this before. The only job Matt Campbell is leaving for is a good NFL job or the Ohio State job. And a good NFL job does not include the New York Jets. No, it doesn't. He's turned down that one before. A good NFL job or Ohio State. Those are the only jobs he would leave for. And he might not even leave for those. I would be incredibly shocked if he left for any job other than one of them. So 
He ain't going to South Carolina. I'm going to tell you that now. If, if he didn't leave for Florida State, he's not going to South Carolina. Florida State has much more of a rich history than South Carolina does when it comes to f- college football. So He ain't going to South Carolina. So just um, Pump the brakes, Cyclone fans. But something that is starting to gain some traction and gear up pretty soon here is uh, our beloved Cyclones will be strapping up their uh, court shoes and hitting uh, Hilton Coliseum for the start of the college basketball season. There was some college basketball news that came out today. Uh, March Madness has officially, or well, the NCAA has officially said that March Madness will be hosted all in one location. That presumptive location will be Indianapolis. Um, as there is multiple venues all in one city uh, for uh, them to basically do a bubble similar to the NBA. Um, They have a huge conference center. They have the Pacers Arena. Um, They have uh, Lucas Oil Stadium for the championship game, Final Four, Elite Eight, if it gets – or if they end up choosing to play there, plus – other smaller places like Butler and IUPUI uh, to play games here. So it'll be interesting. Hopefully we can get a full season of college basketball like we are uh, starting to hopefully get closer to a full season of college football. Uh, On a side note, Jamie Pollard actually put out another update on the COVID situation in Ames. 420 tests have been administered so far this week with only one coming back positive. So Iowa state athletics continues to set the bar and industry standard of uh, accountability when it comes to their student athletes and making sure that they are ready to play. So good job, Iowa state athletics Uh, in a place where COVID still is having a large impact on football games. Well, Not as much of a large impact on football games, more of certain players here and there. The NFL, uh, Week 10 is in the books. Uh, It started out with an upset. Uh, Not a lot of people picked the Indianapolis Colts to go into Nashville and uh, pretty much handily beat the Tennessee Titans. Ryan Tannehill looked bad in that game. Phillip Rivers comes back and has a decent game. Naeem Hines was the uh, star for the Colts in that Thursday night matchup. Uh, Elsewhere in the NFL on Sunday, Alex Smith made his first start since his return from his gruesome injury. He had what what was nothing short of a spectacular day uh, passing for him. His total stat line was 38 of 55. He threw 55 attempts. Uh, for 390 yards, he didn't actually throw any touchdown passes as all of the touchdowns that they scored were rushing in that game. Had brought got Washington back into the football game, last lost on a last-second 59-yard field goal attempt by Matt Prater, uh, who just continues to kick bombs. In. Uh, update. What? Oh, two. Yeah, he is. He's Matt. getting up there. He's not Adam Vinatieri, uh, gray hair, old yet, but he's getting close. So, yeah, but he's still he's still got some mileage left on those legs, and he's really showing them off. Uh, the NFC East 
just an update. They're still trash. Uh, the worst division in football gets even worse as the Giants beat the Eagles this week. I don't know what the Eagles are doing, but they are not producing as a football team. They were going up against one of the worst defenses for quarterbacks outside of the pocket. And Carson Wentz proceeds to stand inside of the pocket until the fourth quarter. And they looked absolutely atrocious against the New York football giants. Uh, A team that we were all wondering why we changed quarterbacks, uh, the Miami Dolphins, I guess, saw something that they liked, and now they are just on a hot streak right now, you might say. Uh, they're 3-0 and in Tua's tenure as a starting quarterback in Miami. And as of right now, in the AFC East, uh, Miami, the Miami Dolphins are only a half game back out of first place behind those Buffalo Bills. Uh, speaking of the Bills, they probably played – one of the best games of the weekend between out in the desert, between the Cardinals uh, and those Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen had a fantastic touchdown pass with 31 seconds left in that football game to Stefan Diggs. What everyone thought was the game-winning touchdown, well, apparently 31 seconds was too much time for Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. If you haven't seen the picture, go check out the 8311 cast Instagram page. I posted a picture of what turned out to be a Jordan commercial as DeAndre Hopkins out jumped three Buffalo Bills in triple coverage on a 50-yard Hail Mary to end the game, uh, almost end the game. Uh, But it was the game-winning touchdown with two seconds left as one of the best endings since probably that uh, Green Bay Packers, Arizona Cardinals uh, Hail Mary that Aaron Rodgers threw a couple of years ago in the NFC championship game. Yeah, it was a wild finish to that game. Had me just saying I was speechless. That's all that it was. Uh, someone else who might be speechless are Seahawks fans right now, as they have been punched in the mouth in consecutive weeks. They got run out of New York by the Bills, and now they end up losing to uh, the LA Rams in LA with a final score of 23 to 16. It's starting to show that Russell Wilson can't do it all himself. This is looking like the Patrick Mahomes chiefs of 2018, where the defense can't stop anything. So they're probably not going to make it to their ultimate destination of a super bowl. We'll see what happens if they're able to figure it out. But right now that defense is porous and, Russell Wilson is having to shoulder too much of the load as they're not getting much help from the ground game either as Russell Wilson ended up being the leading rusher for the Seahawks in that game. Another surprising upset of the week was the New England Patriots uh, pulling off a win over the Baltimore Ravens as Baltimore has now lost significant ground in the AFC North race. They are currently tied in second place with the Cleveland Browns. They do have the tiebreaker over Cleveland uh, in head-to-head matchups, but now they are a full three games back and a tiebreaker, head-to-head tiebreaker back of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, So Baltimore has lost some significant traction in the AFC North. Uh, And I've been talking about how the New England Patriots are dead. They might not be. They're four and five. Uh, They, have already have a win over Miami so far this season. Uh, but they're 
just two games back of Miami in that division. So New England, not out of it. I especially when Bill Belichick is their coach, I would say. Yep. Let's let's talk about Lamar Jackson for a second, right? I mean, he's obviously has not been the world beater he was last year, right? Well, okay, let me let me stop you there. Well, they pulled up his statistics uh compared to through uh nine games last season and this season. They were actually fairly comparable minus the rushing yards. He ran for like 200 or 300 more rushing yards at this point last season um, compared to, yeah, compared to this season. So his stats are almost comparable, but their other rushing attack isn't really helping them as much as it did last year. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, and obviously the results have not been as good as last year with their six and three now, which I mean, it's respectable, but like, Six and three. They're the. If the season ended today, the Ravens would be the seven seed in the AFC playoffs. Having to go be, play the Chiefs, right? Play the Chiefs in Arrowhead in the first round of the playoffs. Like, that's not great. Also, wow, the number of AFC. The AFC is nine teams at six and three or better. It's very top heavy. Yeah, yeah. Because after those nine six and three teams, nobody else is above five hundred. But yeah. So, like, the way because that AFC is so good, the Ravens are in a little bit danger of, you know, like all of a sudden ending up out of the playoffs. I mean, it's not well, just because I mean, look at it you got the Ravens at six and three, the Browns at six and three, and the Titans all at six and three fighting for that last playoff spot. And the Dolphins and the Raiders are all six and three as well. Yeah. Right? Those, those five teams are fighting for three and playoffs. the Colts. But the Colts are winning that division. Well, exactly. But still, I mean, the Titans are within shot of winning that division still. So you might as well throw the Colts in there. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a mess in the AFC playoff picture. Basically, what I'm saying is the Ravens are not as dominant as they were last year. And it's not just Lamar Jackson's fault, but I think that he's part of the reason, right? Teams have figured him out a little bit, especially in the run game. So you're talking about dominant teams. I mean – are the Pittsburgh Steelers dominant, right? They have been, you brought this up before. What it, What was that that you said that they were the fourth luckiest undefeated team? Yeah, according to 538, um, the 2020 Pittsburgh Steelers are the fourth luckiest 8-0 team in NFL history. 8-0 or 9-0 because they're 9-0. This article was written before they won. Okay. This, so 8-0. Okay. Yeah, I mean – Three of the last four games that Pittsburgh has played, uh, including this week, have come down to last-second plays. Uh, a last-second missed field goal by Steven Goskowski against Tennessee to send the game into overtime. A last-second heave from Lamar Jackson into the end zone that was broken up. A last-second heave by Garrett Gilbert, the starting, starting quarterback at the time for the Dallas Cowboys, into the end zone that was broken up. It, I mean, Pittsburgh... Their win margin, okay, is a little inflated thanks to this week, their big win over the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. But otherwise, their win win margin would be plus 65 or something like that, which hasn't been the story as of late. They've had a couple blowouts, but they've had a lot of really close games that have come down to the wire that they are just eking out especially a bad showing against the Cowboys that aren't anything to write home about this. 
So we'll see what happens there going forward. Uh, speaking of, we'll see seeing what happens going forward. The Saints might be in some trouble. Uh, news broke today that Drew Brees, who was out for the second half of the game, fractured multiple ribs and has a punctured lung. Um, that is obviously very concerning for the New Orleans Saints. As we saw uh, with Tyrod Taylor earlier this season, he wasn't cleared to resume play until three I believe it was three weeks after uh, his injury. I think he was cleared to play week five, potentially, uh, for the Los Angeles Chargers. It might have been week five or week six, but this is possibly a three- to four-week injury for the Saints, uh, which might not be bode well for them. Their upcoming schedule in their next four games is versus the, at home against the Falcons, at Denver, at home or at the Falcons and at the Eagles. So they have a pretty, they, if you're going to lose breeze at any point in the season, this might be the time. Yes, they do have a former starting quarterback in the NFL who set records last year, uh, throwing for 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions in, uh, Jameis Winston. But if Drew Brees isn't back for the final three games of the season, it could be a tough stretch with the chiefs, the Vikings and the Panthers. Uh, so the Saints could drop out from being the top seed in the NFC South to scrapping for a wild card spot in a very tough NFC uh, race as well. When you see the NFC at the top, you have the Packers at seven and two, Saints at seven and two, but then you have the Buccaneers at seven and three, Arizona at six and three, the Rams at six and three, and the Seahawks at six and three, plus. I guess you can maybe throw the Chicago bears in there knocking at the door at five and four. Uh, So it it could be a very tough stretch here for the new Orleans saints, especially when you lose a future hall of famer in. Yeah. And I mean, that's a competitive division too, right? I mean, Atlanta's Atlanta's sneaking back into it a little bit. Uh, Damn. I'm just concerned about the Buccaneers, right? The bucks and uh, the bucks game behind them. Well, yeah, I, yeah, but they still have the two-game advantage over the yeah, Bucks head-to-head. Yeah. That is that is huge for the Saints that they beat the Bucks twice already this. Yeah, that is a big tiebreaker. But without Drew Brees, Jameis Winston has a ten. There's a reason Jameis Winston is now a backup quarterback and not a starting quarterback. It's because nobody wanted to make him their starting quarterback. So keep that in mind as Drew Brees is out at least a couple weeks, I presume. So. I would expect possibly a three-week sideline from Drew. Maybe yeah. two. We'll see. Yeah, it could uh, be. Hopefully, hopefully they don't let the uh, Chargers team doctor into the locker room to puncture the only healthy lung right now. So, Yeah, don't I, puncture both lungs. That'd be a problem. Yeah. It's kind of hard to breathe if you have two collapsed lungs. Yeah, he's probably going to call it a career after this year, isn't he, Drew Brees? I would think so. He has a booth job waiting for him. He just signed a one-year deal at the start of this year, correct? Correct. I think it's a one-year deal, maybe two tops. Let me take a look at it. Two years. Yeah, I thought I thought it might have been. So maybe he does play one more year after this, just because of the contract. Yes. Yep, he's only under contract through 2021. So anyway, he's been beat up a lot these last few years. He might just hang it up. Yeah, last year, week two, he – 
hit his hand on a helmet and fractured, I believe his thumb or something uh, against the Rams and was out for until I think like week eight or yeah, week eight, but their backup was Teddy Bridgewater at the time. And Teddy Bridgewater uh, went five and O which speaking of quarterbacks going out, uh, Teddy Bridgewater went out with a knee injury this week for Carolina. So that could be something to watch in that but as we always do, we will keep you apprised all things NFL and all things breaking news in the NFL here on the 311 cast. With that, we pitch it on over to Mike as he is eagerly chomping at the bit for his favorite segment of this podcast. I am. And see, I think you are eagerly chopping at the bit for this segment, too, because I gave you a little preview of it beforehand and you're very intrigued. I mean, on a scale of one to 10, my excitement level might be a four, which is up from a two, usually. Uh huh. See, I got you. I got you invested. So, as many of our listeners probably already know, the NFL did a one year rule change about pass interference last year that it could be challengeable. And it didn't go very well last year. So they got rid of that, and pass interference was not cha- is not challengeable anymore. But did you know there are still there is still one instance where you can challenge pass interference? Can either of you tell me what it is? Can you give us a hint? I cannot. Oh, is it when? Let's see. When when could you challenge this uh, on a turnover? Nope. Like, oh, if the it's when the pass is tipped. Yes, Kyle oh. gets it right. Got so it. You can you can review a tipped pass. Yes, you can challenge pass interference only so far as to say whether the ball was tipped before the interference occurred. This came up in the Packers Jaguars game on Sunday. The ref, the officials originally threw a flag for pass interference and then discussed it and then picked it up saying that the ball was tipped um, after uh, the Jaguars challenged it um, and they won the challenge because the ball was tipped, but it was tipped by the player who committed pass interference after he had, you know, like shoved the receiver so he could get up to the ball and tip it. So since the ball was not tipped before the pass interference was called, um, the penalty was called upon review for pass interference. Now, it can also go the other way. They can throw a flag for pass interference, and you can challenge that it was tipped before the interference occurred. Most often this occurs where a defensive lineman gets a fingertip on the ball or something like that, right? Because as soon as the ball is tipped, you can do whatever the heck you want to the receiver. If the ball is tipped, you should tackle your wide receiver because that is completely legal, and then they can't touch a ball. So if you're a cornerback and the ball is tipped, tackle your wide receiver. That way they can't catch it. Unless you're the cornerback and it takes you so much out of the play if you could have possibly intercepted that tip, though. I mean, yeah. Oh, you're not going to know that at the time. Like, if Well, it, I mean, if you see the ball coming right at you, you're not going to tip your wide or tackle your wide receiver. No, you just shove the guy. Yeah, you shove him. Yeah. Don't, like, fall-on tackle him to the ground. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're right. So this brought up the other times you can challenge penalties. Can anybody, can either of you two name another time where you can challenge a penalty or lack thereof? Wyatt, I see you about to go type. Don't you go Google this. That's cheating. 
Man, I'm trying to think here. Uh, it was another one that what? actually also happened in the Packers-Jaguars game. Well, too bad I didn't watch it. <laughs> Challenging a penalty. Can you challenge a roughing the kicker with a tipped ball scenario? Probably for another tipped ball scenario. But that wasn't what I was thinking of. That, okay. I think, falls under the same category of tipped ball being challenged. Is this another, like, special condition, or is this literally a penalty you can just toss your flag on the field a penalty for? you can just challenge. Really? Yeah. Well, what is it? Did you both give up? I give up. I guess. Too many men on the field. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, I, that happened uh, two weeks ago, too. Oh, what game yeah. was that? I think it was uh, in another Packers game. Yeah, it probably was. Packers and Blues, white uniforms, white. No, it was Packers Vikings. I don't think it was the Vikings. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Packers Vikings. A Vikings game had this happen just recently, too. I remember. Don't remember what game it was. But yes, since too many men on the field is completely objective, right? Either the ball was snapped and you had too many players on the field or the ball was snapped and you didn't, right? It was was Lions Packers, what I was thinking of. Sorry. Anyway. It happened in a Vikings game recently, mm-hmm. too. Interesting. Um, since it's completely objective, right, either you had 12 men on the field or you didn't, it's challengeable. You can challenge whether or not uh, it happened. And you can challenge on either side of it. You can either say you didn't throw it and you should have or you did throw it and you shouldn't have. Both sides of that play are completely challengeable by either team. Those are the only instances of challengeable penalties that I know of currently in if huh. any of our listeners know any others, or Wyatt, if you know any others, let us know and we will uh, give you a shout out on next week's uh, Mike Stupid Rules segment as we go over those as well. See, yeah. I was going to, I guess, the, go ahead. I guess a question that I have, since it's completely objective, could you, I wonder if you could challenge like a legal formation? You cannot challenge illegal formation. Okay. Oh, that's pretty set in stone. Like, you can't. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things where I never thought about challenging a penalty, right? Like, that doesn't happen in high school, which is what I officiate. Uh, you, that's not a thing, right? If, if, right. if a coach is... They don't you in high school. Yeah, yeah, it's not a thing. So it's certainly interesting to bring up because it's not something we ever thought about before. Speaking of high school football, did you see that Iowa high school football game where the final score was like 108 to 94 or something? It was yeah. awful about that is that it has to be a 38-point differential for the Maurice rule to take effect. <laughs> And it just like that that score is so bad. Like the, I the losing quarterback in that game had thirteen total touchdowns. It's ridiculous. That was that was eight man Iowa football in the uh, eight man semifinals. You can look it up if that was who are who are the teams just out of curiosity? Meltred was it Meltred Allison Lennox, maybe? No, it was Montezuma and um oh, who was it? Remfelt St. Mary's or something. Yeah, Remsen, St. Mary's, and Montezuma, you're right. Where did we get Lennox from? They might have set a record last year or something. Oh, yeah, Meltzer Dallas uh, hit over. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That was in the same article, too. Meltzer Dallas went 116 in 2005. That was another more than 100 score. Apparently, you score a lot in eight-man football in Iowa. So. I guess. Corn fed, bro. Eight-man football instead of nine-man football. In Minnesota, the, the small schools play nine-man football. Who's the ninth man? I don't know, but they play nine-man football. Weird. A back, maybe? Yeah, I don't know. Weird. Yeah, yeah we do six-man and eight-man. Unless it's – I mean, you could have – no, never mind. That doesn't work. Yeah, nine-man's weird. Yeah, I don't I don't understand. Nine-man football, there's a Wikipedia article on it, so it must be a thing. 
in a 3-3-2 defense and quarterback, fullback, tailback, and five linemen. So yeah, another back. Interesting. Good to know. You learn so many things in Mike's stupid rules, even though yep. it's not rule related. Like yeah, nine man football. Unrelated to the rules. Good to know. Well, I'm done learning things now. So I think we should uh, transition on out and look at our write that down predictions to see if we have anything to take off the board this week. Do we, Mike? We do not actually have anything to take off the board this week. None of us sucked at predictions this week to take anything off the board. So good deal. That means uh, Kyle can get us started and putting new predictions up on the board. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm going to ride that uh, Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins train and say that the Arizona Cardinals will win the NFC West. Cardinals win the NFC West. Well, according to our friend uh, 538 Sports, the Cardinals have a 32% chance to win that division. With the Seahawks boasting the best percentage at 37%. So 30% chance. Don't we usually give that like a double? Yeah, that's about double, too. Solid yeah. double okay. That's kind of what I thought. Combinatorics and stuff makes that a double. Yep. Mike, what do you got? Yeah, I'm going to hop off the uh, Jameis Winston bandwagon, and I'm going to say the Saints fall out of the playoffs completely because of the Drew Brees and uh, so the Saints not the Saints have a 95% chance of making the playoffs right now with the best chance to win that division at 67%. Uh, They're only giving two teams in that division a chance, the a even a percentage of winning it between the Saints and the Buccaneers. So we're saying they have a 5% chance of not making the playoffs is kind of what you're saying. Yep. Yeah. So that's triple home run. Home run, probably. Yeah. I would yeah, agree. Since they boast the tiebreaker over the Buccaneers with the, the two victories head-to-head. I don't know what I'm expecting for my prediction, but I'm going to say we will see at least one more score-agami happening this NFL season, including the postseason as well. I, mean, I think that's probably pretty likely at this point. Yeah, I do too. Maybe. Maybe. a lot of football left to be played, seven weeks plus playoffs. Like you said, though, it's an inverse – you know, it's it's not necessarily going to continue increasing, Like. Having more than eight doesn't really happen. Yeah. If you want to look, I, I did link uh, a website, nflscoregami.com, which shows uh, statistics for all the scoregamis. You see, there's a little drop-down box. You can select first game and show year by year uh, how many scoregamis have happened between 1920 and 2020. Okay. Um, if you want to use that to, to kind of go through some of the data. And uh, to our listeners, I would recommend checking that out because I think it's really interesting. Uh, it shows you, you know, in a matrix style, um, losing score, winning score, and where they meet being the score agami itself. And it shows impossible scores too. The impossible scores are blacked out. Um, so you have, you know, n- nothing negative, right? Um, and then the score of one to one obviously isn't possible. Or zero, sorry, zero to one is not possible. And, uh, Let's see what else is impossible. Lots one to one is impossible. One to two, one to three, one to four, one to five, and one to seven are not possible. But everything else is fair game. Yeah. Oh, With one to six being the coveted uh, one point safety, yeah. of course. And the descending, um, the descending blackness is just, you know, it always lists the winning score on top, and it's impossible for the winning score to be below the losing score. That's why there's so much black. Yep. I was like, well, that score combination is like 14 to 13. That's not impossible. Why is that blacked out? And I was like, oh, it's because, you know, the losing team would be scoring more than the winning. It's impossible to win a football game 
if you score less than your opponent. Fun fact. <laughs> that is a true fact. It is possible, however, to tie in a football game when you score the same exact amount of points through the end of overtime in the NFL. So while you guys think about this, I'll kind of go through. These are some of the scores that we haven't seen, which are tie scores. So we've never seen a 2-2 two to two game, which would be, you know, two safeties on two each safeties. side. That's kind of cool. What? Two safeties. Two safeties. Uh, we have 8-8 eight eight and 9-9, uh, nine nine, of course. We've never seen that. Uh, we've never seen a 15 to 15, we've never seen an 18 to 18, a 22 to 22, 25 to 25, 32 to 32, 36 to 36, 39, 40, 41, or 42 to each other. But we have seen a 43 to 43, which happened in 1964, the Raiders at the Patriots, 43 to 40. Fun fact. So does that give you enough time to come up with a potential scoring for my prediction? I mean, I still think that's a single. Dang. Yeah. I was hoping to win for at least a double, but I'll take it. What do we have from Josh this week? You doing good? Still alive? Yep, still doing good. Um, Josh is going to predict that uh, even though Alan Lazard still didn't return um, this last week, that he will return next week, which I mean is virtually guaranteed because the Packers have to activate him off IR tomorrow um, or cut him, and they're not going to do that. Um, so they have to activate him off IR tomorrow. Um so he will return next week, but Josh is upping it by will return next week and will score a touchdown next week. Will return and score a touchdown. I mean, do we anticipate on seeing him getting a lot of time on the field? Yeah, right? he'll be fully healthy. Okay. The Packers play the Colts next week in Indianapolis for reference. I mean, it's really Indianapolis has a pretty stout pass defense. Yeah, they do. I think a lot of the targets are still going to go to Devontae Adams. So I think this is probably – Triple. Triple? I was thinking double or triple. I was thinking double. So I guess it's up to you, Mike. Oh, boy. Um, we'll go triple. All right. We'll give it to him. So we have the uh, coveted – we should come up with a name for this when we have a, a single, double, triple, and a home run. Like all... cycle? Oh, is that what we call it, the cycle? Is that, that's a thing? Because it's a baseball thing. Son of yeah. a nutcracker. So with the coveted cycle happening this week with a single, double, triple, and home run – uh, that concludes our Write That Down Project. Concludes the episode. Thank you so much for listening to episode 106 of the Alien Cast. We hope to, you know, hear you, talk to you again next week, I guess. I was going to say hear you again next week, but that doesn't make any sense. So, uh, signing off for the Alien Cast, your hosts. Kyle Mersh. Mike Ludwig. And Wyatt Peter. We'll talk to you again next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Beat Purple Kansas, baby. Please do. I would much like that.